0: Welcome to Zed Guys, I'm your host Zed Al Khadri This article has been published in The Economist, 22nd October 2020 edition. Italy SBA offers an object lesson in corporate decline. How the leopard lost its spots. Few works of literature capture the challenges of managing decay better than The Leopard. Giuseppe Tomasi di Lampedusa's masterpiece about Sicilian blue bloods struggling to adapt to the changes ushered in by Italian unification in the 1860s, it replaced the shabby minor gentry with Silicon Valley parvenus and recently impoverished but now moneyed masses with emerging china, and the novel also serves as an apt metaphor for the decline of once princely corporate Italy. We had the richest and most perfect region of the world, but we are old aristocrats who are losing our momentum. size Marco Trancetti Provera, boss of Pirilli, a hundred forty-eight-year-old time maker based in Milan. Many of his fellow chief executives echo di Lampedusa's Don Fabrizio, who pined for the days when we were the leopards, the lions. Like the fictional patriarch, they see the world in upheaval, but find themselves unable to do much about it. Ironically, when De Lampedusa's novel was published in 1958, Italy was the opposite of decaying. Its GDP doubled between 1951 and 1963, and by 1973 added another two-thirds. Gianni Agnelli, Fiat's dashing owner, hobnobbed with the Kennedys. The Red Brigades' campaign of terror, launched in 1970, shook business for over a decade but did not cripple it. Olivetti became the world's second biggest computer maker behind IBM. Montedison was its seventh largest chemicals firm. Mediobanca rivaled Lehman Brothers and Lazard in merchant banking prowess. Benetton brought colorful sweaters to the masses. Giorgio Armani, Gianni Versace and Dolce and Gabbana, shoulder-padded Wall Street and Beverly Hills. These days, Italy SBA is out of style. The country's doldrums are news. The economists called it, quote, the real sick man of Europe, unquote, 15 years ago. It escapes no one, and certainly not business, says Carlo Bonomi, head of Confindustria, Italy's main business lobby. Even before COVID-19, its economy was smaller than it had been before the financial crisis of 2007 to 2009. Its stock market is worth under 500 billion euros, or 590 billion US dollars. It accounts for 3.7% of the MSCI index of European stocks, down from 6.2% in 2000, according to Morgan Stanley, a bank. Only seven Italian firms feature among the world's 1,000 biggest listed ones. The 77 billion euro market capitalization of the most valuable, Enel, an electric utility is a rounding error relative to that of America's trillion dollar tech titans. Rather than confront these challenges, plenty of Italian tycoons have been flogging the family silver. Treasured Italian brands that have gone into foreign hands in the past decade include Bulgari, a jeweler, sold to LVMH, a French luxury group, Luxottica, which makes Ray-Ban sheets and merged with Essilor, a French spectacles firm, and Versace, bought by Michael Kors, an American fashion house. Since 2015, Pirelli's biggest shareholder has been Camp China, a state-owned giant. In 2018, Federico Marchetti sold Yoke's porter his online luxury startup, and Italy's rare-tech success to Richemont, a Swiss group. Others have been departing Bel Paese. After merging with Chrysler in 2014, Fiat moved its headquarters to London and legal seat to the Netherlands. It is now combining with PSA Group, a French carmaker. Exor, the Agnelli family's Dutch domiciled investment vehicle, which owns 28.9% of Fiat Chrysler's shares, is also a shareholder in economy's parent company. Ferrero, the maker of Nutella, has decamped to Luxembourg. This year, Campari, producer of the bitter aperitif, owned by the Garavoglia clan, picked the Netherlands. It may be joined by Mediaset, Italy's biggest private broadcaster controlled by Silvio Berlusconi, a scandal-prone former prime minister, which is seeking to move the headquarters of its holding company there. I keep less than 5% of my total wealth in Italy. I am very careful with this country confessed Francesco Trapani, scion of the Bulgari dynasty, in 2018. Many other firms are shadows of their former selves. In 20 years, the market value of Generali, an insurer, has more than halved to 19 billion euros. Telecom Italia's has shriveled by nearly 90% to 7 billion euros. Intesa San Paolo and Unicredit, two big banks, tried their hand at consolidation with ambitious deals in Europe, only to retrench. Three main reasons explain corporate Italy's slide into irrelevance. They have to do with a self-reinforcing lack of financial, social and human capital. According to the OECD, a club of industrialist countries, 40% of Italian corporate assets are financed by short-term debt, more than among big European peers. Credit is granted on a basis of history, so new firms find it hard to raise money. Political risk, embodied by the rise to power in 2018 of the anti business Five Star Movement, or M5S, plays on the nerves. Reliance on banks means that when they get into trouble, as in the financial crisis and the ensuing euro crisis, all their corporate clients suffer, not just the delinquent ones. All these constraints investment and makes Italian companies more vulnerable to macroeconomic shocks, of which the COVID-19 pandemic is the latest. Served, a ratings agency, reckons that even in the best case, perhaps 7% of non-financial firms are at risk of default this year. In the worst case, that could rise above 10%. Italy's capital markets are shallow compared with the rest of Europe, let alone America. It has no venture capital industry to speak of. Business elites grumble about Italian's aversion to investing in their own stock market, despite being among the world's most prodigious savers. Domenico Siniscalo, a former prime minister, likens it to, quote, an oil-producing country without an oil industry, unquote. Investors are wary of putting money into listed firms controlled by founding families or the state which dominate Italy's shareholder registers and which prevent their companies from raising new shares, fearing dilution. Confidence in big business is further eroded by a constant gusher of scandals. Every few months, a business bigwig gets into hot water. In July, prosecutors requested an 8-year prison sentence for the boss of Eni, an oil major for allegedly bribing Nigerian officials to secure an oil block. He and the company deny wrongdoing. Roman tragedy. Disenchantment with corporate Italy sows more mistrust, depleting its already thin social capital. A recent report found that 9 in 10 Italians want caps on executive pay, the highest share among seven Western countries. That would add to already baroque red tape that is a barrier for upstart firms. Italy ranks 58th out of 190 countries in the World Bank's Doing Business survey. It comes a dismal 97th on securing building permits, 98th for starting new businesses, 122nd at enforcing contracts, and 128th on tax rules. Rather than improving the physical and legal infrastructure that would help all firms, government monies goes to bailing out perennial failures, This year, the state once again rescued Alitalia, the endlessly loss-making flag carrier. Italy has no equivalent of the Fraunhofer Institutes that help Germany's medium-sized firms stay at the cutting edge of their fields, observes Fabrizio Barca, an economist and former development minister. If we had the infrastructure of the Germans, we would be six or seven times more competitive, says Marco Giovannini, boss of Guala Closures a global leader in the niche market for bottle tops. We have to compete against inefficiency. In 2017, he opened Guala's main research centre not in its Piedmont home but in Luxembourg. De Lampedusa's characters might recognise the third shortage of human capital as the flip side of pride. In the post-war era, when it fuelled founders' devotion to their creations, this was a virtue as to some extent it is today in silicon valley now it looks like abstinency bankers talk of multiple field attempts to persuade mr armani to build a bigger group in the mold of lvmh during italy's lockdown a photo of him dressing the windows of his milan store added to the myth of italian creative genius lvmh's billionaire owner bernard arnault gets others to do that menial task so he can focus on business In 2017, Guido Corbetta of Bocconi University estimated that half of first-generation Italian firms have an owner-boss who is over 60, and a quarter have one who is at least 70. Italian boardrooms' denizens seem almost as ancient as the Renaissance art adorning their walls. Italy's most prominent businessmen, they are almost exclusively male, are octogenarians. Mr Berlusconi, 84 Donato del Vecchio of Luxottica, 85. Luciano Benetton, the clothing clan's patriarch, 85. Mr. Armani, 86. No wonder Italians feel their system is rigged in favour of a few ageing billionaires and plump for populists like the M5S. Talented youngsters shy away from a career in the unloved business world. There is now little opportunity anywhere in Italy, even for the wealthy and well-connected says Andrea Alemano, of Ipsos, a research firm. Despite this self-perpetuating cycle, examples of Italy's post-war industrial vigour persist. Enel is a world leader in clean energy. In certain areas, pocket multinationals, as Vittorio Merloni, an entrepreneur dubbed them in the 1990s, churn out wares and the world over. Lavazza and Illy, coffee. Moncler and Emanogildo Zegna, Fashion. IMA and Marquesini, packaging. Or TechnoGym, fitness kit. And Italy remains a country of enterprise. The OECD reckons nearly a quarter of Italian firms are high growth, more than in most big European countries. Johan Rupert, the South African financier behind Richemont, has mused that Italy's craftsmen might benefit from a failure to adapt to globalization as the world comes to prize their old-fashioned skills. Pirelli's Mr. Tronchetti Provera praises the deal with Camp China, which let the tire-makers' headquarters and technology stay in Milan, as, quote, an opportunity to further strengthen our position in China without giving up Italian roots, unquote. Some see Italy's less hard-edged capitalists as an antidote to Wall Street, Last year, Jeff Bezos made a pilgrimage to Brunello Cucinelli, founder of a poche sweater company who advocates a humanistic capitalism. In 2011, shortly before he became the governor of the European Central Bank, Mario Draghi warned fellow Italians that Venice in the 17th century and Amsterdam in the 18th century planted the seeds of their collapse by putting elite privilege ahead of innovation. Corporate Italy can hang on to what is left of its sheen. But as Don Fabrizio's thrusting nephew, Tancredi, told his uncle, if we want things to stay as they are, things will have to change. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, straight to the floor. This article appeared in the business section of the print edition under the headline How the Leopard Lost Its spots Episode ini telah dibawakan kepada anda oleh True Start Coffee. Dapatkan True Start Barista Great Instant Coffee baharu Dan nikmati diskaun 20% untuk semua pembelian. Atau beli 4 tin pada harga 3 tin di cut.ly slash truestartshopee. Dari sekarang hingga 31 Oktober 2020. Jangan lupa layari cutt.ly slash truestartshopee untuk maklumat lanjut tertakluk pada terma dan syarat. Terima kasih. Wah.